So today we come to part three of the series we've been working on, Relentless Grace, Relentless Grace, God's power to live free. Uh, last week and the week before that, we looked at God's power that heals our brokenness. Someone notes are right there on, uh, on our church website. Today we're going to be looking at uh, God's restoring grace. Now how many of you believe that, that relationship needs to be maintained it needs to be worked on right even our human relationship you can't put that on autopilot or else or else they will weaken right and so it is with our relationship with the lord jesus christ it has to be maintained no relationship ever remains the same today you are either growing closer to the lord or you are drifting away from god you never just stand still uh, you don't just become a Christian and poof, that's it. Uh, either your heart is growing warmer towards the Lord or it's growing colder towards the things of God. Uh, and we all have known Christians at one point who were hot on fire for the Lord and have simmered, right? Have grown weak. Uh, they're not attentive to the things of God anymore. Uh, we face temptations in our hearts. We face up and downs. Um, Trouble comes our way, we get confused, uh, we get distracted by, by different things that are going on in our life, in the economy, in our environment, and that pushes us further away from God. Um, and uh, so it's key that as believers, we are attentive, we are attentive to our Christian work. The good news is that as believers, uh, the grace of God that's given us is we have God's restoring grace. Say that with me restoring grace so that when we blow it when we walk away when we fumble when we stumble god says you can come back to me god keeps an a perpetual open door for his children to come back to him right we sang a song today uh, his forgiveness is what we have we have the god's forgiveness his restoring grace to Get us back to him. Look at this amazing portion of scripture, our lead scripture in Lamentation chapter 5, verse 21. Up on the screen, uh, those of you who are following online on your smartphones, uh, let's read that together. Lamentation 5, 21. Read that with me. It says what? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys that we once had and that's what god does and he always wants to come to him and say hey restore me give me back give me back give me back what i once had give me back that close fellowship that connection your presence your purpose your provision your protection that you once gave that to me god always wants to do that and that's what we want to look at this week and god willing next week how do we get the joy back in our christian life if you've been a believer for many years, there are times where your relationship grows, grows hot and cold. How do you get that back? And so I want to do three things today and next week. First, I want us to look at how, as believers, we fall away. What are some of the causes, the common causes that cause believers to fall away? Because you can fall away, I can fall away. Uh, and two, what is the blessing of God's restoring grace? And then next week we'll look at uh, if we end in sin and we really are in the thick of things, what do we need to do to come back to God? So what are the common causes that will cause us to fall away to miss God's blessing? Right? And what's God's promise of his restoring grace that we can hold on to and always come back? And when we are right there, right there, falling away, we've drifted, what is it that we need to do to come back to God, 
to come back to God's open arms. Amen. And uh, there are many reasons why people backslide. There are many reasons why, why, why people, even in relationship, how many of you uh, believe that um, um, you can be in the same room with somebody, same house, live, live, laying on the same bed with somebody, and still be miles apart, right? You can be a Christian, going to church every day, singing the praises of God, reading your Bible, and still be miles apart from God. Uh, it's because there are certain reasons that cause believers to fall apart from God. So what are these, these common reasons that God says, we ought to watch out from these? Now, we see them beautifully put together in the story of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, who denied Jesus on the night that Jesus was betrayed and crucified. Remember that story? It's packaged very well together. And the first is this. The first reason people backslide is overconfidence. Say that with me. Overconfidence. Now, you know the story. Jesus has been in the, in the upper room with his 12 disciples. They have had Passover together. And Jesus turns around and says, one of you is going to betray me. Now they look around and they are shocked. They are surprised because loyalty is number one back then in the East. Right? This is a band of, of brothers together. 12, they've been going places, doing things together. You know, sleeping with Jesus, walking with Jesus, being fed by Jesus, uh, uh, and uh, you know, hearing his teachings. And they are committed to be with him forever. He handpicked them. And he says, one of you is going to be me." Now it shocked everybody. And they all began to ask, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? And here's what Peter says in his overconfidence. Look at Mark 14, 29. Read that with me. Peter says, everyone else may stumble in their faith, but I will not. In other words, listen, say, Jesus, don't listen to these guys. They're frauds. <laughs> Everybody who's saying, not me, not me, not me. They can't be trusted, but for me, it will never happen. Never, ever, ever will I happen. I will never turn my back on you. I will never stumble in my faith. I will not. And this is the first reason why we backslide. When we say, well, because of my prayer life, because of this, because I was saved, because I'm baptized, because I tight, because of this miracle that happened to me, because God saved me, because God healed me this day, therefore this can never happen to me. He says, don't ever say that. We begin to think that we can handle things on our own. That's when we slip. We begin to think that we are so strong that we will never fail. We begin to say when we hear things happen to people who fall into shame or sin or something bad happens to them, we say, this will never happen to me. Anytime you hear about someone else stumbling and you say, that could never happen to me, you are setting yourself up to fail. Because anybody, including myself, given the right situation, you will fall. That's not perfect. Look at what the Bible says on this. First Corinthians 10, 12. Look at this. It says, be careful if you are thinking, oh, I will never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you for you too may fall into sin. I'm not saying this. The God who saved you, who loves you, says this. He says, overconfidence will knock you off your skis. It will never happen to me. Never behave like this. Never talk like this. Never act like this to my kids. Never act like this to my spouse. Never treat myself. How many of you do things to yourself sometimes? You just hate yourself for what you do to yourself. Even to your own self. It's like, I hate it when I do this. <laughs> 
Well, you didn't do that anybody. You just did it yourself. So you are capable, given, given any situation, to follow the skis. And this verse says that if you think you are strong, be careful because you fall. Why? Why? Because the human heart is so deceitful. You don't know what your heart will come up with. Because we are human. We live in a broken world. We've seen so many things. <laughs> right? <laughs> What we haven't done, others are done, and so it's kind of gotten to us, so it's gotten to our purview, gotten to our, 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 our stream of thoughts. And as humans, we lie to ourselves, don't we? <laughs> we lie to ourselves so much. Say, I'm strong, I'm this, I'm that, I'll never do that. Well, God looks at you and says, hey, you're lying to yourself. If you're thinking that you'll never behave like this, let this be a warning to you for you too much fall. So we should never say that I could never fall for that and overconfidence, overconfidence, just as it's happened to Peter. And we know what happened to Peter. He was the first person to say, I, 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 oh, Jesus, I, I never heard of him. I, I don't know where he come from. What are you talking about? Don't you accuse me like that. He really started getting defensive and offensive when somebody says, you are also one of them. Overconfidence is one thing that will cause you to fall. Amen. From the blessing of the Lord fall from faith. Now, the second thing also that can cause us to fall is also laziness. Laziness. Same thing that will cause you to fall in your relationship. Same thing that will cause you to fall in your walk, in your goal. So it is in your spiritual walk. Laziness. We see this too in the story of Peter's denial. We get lethargic. We get tired. We get careless. And we kind of slack off. Oh, not today. Not, not, not praying today, not going to church today, not reading my Bible today, not practicing the things that God, not being kind, not being forgiven, not being gracious, not being merciful, not being loving. I, I know it, but I'm not, 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 this, not this person, not that, not that, not that. And we push that on the side because we think we've done enough and that's good enough. And sometimes we peg ourselves to others and we make the sad mistake of two things. Number one is we, 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 we use two standards. We think people who are lower than us, we look at this, I'm better than this person. Or we look at people who think we are higher than that person, and then guess what? We get so sad and miserable. Look at all these people, look how high they are. Look at me, I'm not doing well, I'm sad and miserable. And look at this person who is so low, I'm better than them. And both, both pride, right, and self righteousness, both of them are not positive emotions, positive reactions that will get us anywhere laziness oh Jesus took Peter James and John three of his disciples in the garden and said I want you guys to stay here and pray with me for a while into the garden you remember so just 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 one night this is the final time very soon the soldiers are gonna come arrest me but just pray with me for one hour just one hour well he came back and 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 what were they doing were they praying <laughs> Snoring. <laughs> and look at what Jesus said. Mark 14, verse 37 38. It says, Couldn't you stay awake with me for how long? One hour. Then he adds this profound truth. Stay awake and pray for strength against what? Temptation. So how do you fight off temptation? Stay awake. Stay awake and pray. How do you fight off temptation? Try to push back laziness, push back fatigue, 
push back lethargy push back carelessness and you will stand firm against temptation and what does temptation do temptation pushes you away from god temptation tells you you're on your own god temptation tells you don't 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 even listen to pastor mark don't listen to the message don't listen to what god says whatever has been said that you know it put it on the side right now and that's what temptation does temptation would cause your relationship with god to go weak and how do you fight against the, 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 the tempter who seeks to weaken your relationship with god pray stay awake and pray stay awake and pray and you want any strength to fend temptation you name whatever that temptation is if it's a temptation of infidelity right infidelity <laughs> the temptation of unforgiveness right you need strength spiritual strength i mean other than that your emotions will kick and say this person i'll never talk to them i will never go there anymore why it's not strength it's weakness because if you are strong, you'll say, you know, what they did wasn't right. Two wrongs doesn't make a right. And so I'm going to do the right thing. That strength is in forgiving people who wronged you. They were wrong. You being wrong doesn't make you right. So you need strength, right, to do the right thing. God says, when you pray, you have the strength not to do the easy thing, not to do the common thing, but to do the hard thing. And I mean, if you know that sometimes you've got to do the hard thing for things to get easy for you. Pray, you know, stay awake, you know, you know what's kick back, the, the feeling of tiredness and carelessness, kick that kick back on that so that you can fight temptation that will seek to pull you away from the presence of God how about jealousy it's so easy to be jealous right you just sit back and say oh look at them I want what they have so easy <laughs> that's not strength that is what weakness right strength says oh it looks nice but that's not me someday I might get it but I'm not focusing on that right now it takes strength not to give in to worry and fear, right? Because worry says things are bad, things are horrible, you can't do anything about it, they're going to crush you. That, that's, that's a weak situation, but strength comes and says, well, I can't handle it, but God can handle it, and so therefore I'm not going to be worried. It becomes mind over matter. It becomes what? Taught over feelings. It becomes God's power and presence over what you feel. It takes strength. And God says, well, you got to pray so you can be strong and not fall into temptation. That will push you away from God. What, I mean, what about, I'm a bitterness. You know what bitterness is? It's holding on to just something sour in your heart. Somebody said something, they did something, and you won't just let go. Right? If you hear somebody says, I can never forgive. Oh, as for me, I, 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 I get even. <laughs> right? It's not strength, isn't that? But God says you will have strength against temptation when you kick back the easy, the common thing. Right? The common thing. And just lean in on God. Just lean a little hard on God. Father, God, I can't forgive this person. I can't forget about what they said. I, when I see them, I'm just seething. I'm just angry. I'm just mad. I'm looking for the opportunity to tell them off. I'm just waiting for them to just say something. And boy, what they did last month, what they did last year, what they did three years ago. Have you ever run something like that? They bring something up that was done five years ago. They be waiting. <laughs> That's not strength. But, but it says when you pray, when you kick back, the, 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 the natural urge to want to hold on to pain, 
to want to hold on to your grief, to want to hold on to your grievance. It says prayer will help you overcome that. Overcome that. Now, I keep a file of Christians, notable Christians who've stumbled in major ways in their life. These days I have it online. I have a folder and you name it all over the world. People who were on fire for God, evangelists, prophets, pastors, presidents, CEOs, people who had a lot going for them. And they gave it all up. Why? Because they got careless. Right? They kind of slacked off. Now, while I'm talking about that, names are coming to you. Why is that? It's because they just would not stand strong. And, and God says, stay awake and pray for strength against temptation. So how do we keep from falling? How do we keep from missing out on God's blessing? We are saved by grace, but we are blessed by works, by obedience with God. And these things will cause a wedge in our relationship with God where things will be delayed or denied. Number one is overconfidence. Number two is laziness. Here's a third thing also, uh, which, is a, which is another big one. What? Fear of what? Disapproval. Fear of what? Disapproval. When we get worried that other, what other people would think, when we are afraid that they will reject us, when we are afraid that they will not accept us, that they will make fun of us, that they will ridicule us, that people will put us down, that, that we might be harassed. <laughs> you need to know this. You need to know this about me, your friend, your pastor. That I gave up long ago about seeking the approval of others. Long, long time ago. If you're going to follow God, come along. If not, I'm not waiting on you. And this is what happened to Peter. Look at what Peter did. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Right? And this is what happens. This is what happens. Get the picture. Jesus has been arrested. And Peter decided he would follow him at a distance, just far enough back so that nobody will identify him with Jesus. Do you ever try to follow Jesus at a distance? <laughs> like I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't want to be fanatical about it. I don't want to be a fan. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I just don't want to get radical. I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't want to get red hot for Jesus. Or somebody might think I'm a, I'm, I'm a nutcase. <laughs> I believe in Jesus, but I just want to far away. I mean, in my family, in my neighborhood, on the job, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christ follower. Let me ask you a question. If all of a sudden they outlawed Christianity and they made it illegal, will you be arrested for being a Christian? Will there be enough evidence in your life, in your practices, in your choices, enough for them to convict you? Or it's like, oh, we, 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 oh, oh this person is one of us. So let's leave them alone. Are you one of those who sometimes when you go to a restaurant, you know you have to pray over your meal. You're looking around. You don't even want to pray over a meal because you're afraid someone may judge you. <laughs> Fear of disapproval. Look at what the Bible says on this. Uh, in Proverbs 29, 25, read this. It says what? Fearing 
people as what a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means if do you see hear this? It's what? It's what fearing people is what? It's what? A dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord is safety. This same portion of scripture, I like the way it says in the Good News Translation. The Good News Translation puts it this way. It says what? It is what? Dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. It is dangerous. So what others are thinking about you? Now, now, t now, today people are not in church today here or elsewhere because of what people might think about. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to serve God. I don't want to do this. Because of what someone might think of me. You, you see, you have a choice every day. Every day you have a choice. You have a choice. Two very simple choices. Either to fear people or to trust God. Right? Two choices. To fear people or to trust God. If you fear people, you won't trust God. If you trust God, you won't, you, you won't fear people. You have a choice. And each of those have consequences. When you fear people, it's a dangerous trap. Because you're going to start worrying about what other people are thinking about you. And when you are concerned about what people are thinking of you, boy, you are heading towards, you are heading towards <laughs> a lot of problems, a lot of trouble. But it says, but when you trust God, it's a place of safety. When you trust God, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter whether you're well or broke. It doesn't matter whether you're sick or well. It doesn't matter whether you have a job or don't have a job. It doesn't matter what people like you or don't like. It doesn't matter. It's a place of safety. It's a place of safety. Trusting God is safety. Let me walk you through some of the dangers of being a people pleaser. That's very common. Do you... Do you know that most of what people do has everything to do with what people will think of them? Perhaps the, 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 the outfit you chose today was because of what you think people might be thinking about you. People dress a certain kind of way because of what they think people might think of them. People choose to do things because of what they think people will think of them. And here's the danger that the Bible talks about. It says a dangerous trap. It's dangerous. Here, here's one. Number one is, the, the, number one is this. Is this. Is, is this. The, the, if you are concerned about what people think of you, the first is that you miss God's purpose for your life. Say that with me. You will do what? You will miss God's purpose for your life. If you are always trying to be what your parents wanted you to be, what your husband, your wife wanted you to be, what your friends, your neighbors, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever it is, if you're always trying to meet their expectation, if you're trying to fulfill their purpose for your life, you will miss God's purpose for your life. Because God did not send you here on earth and hasn't kept you alive today to please other people. He sent you here and has kept you alive to please who? God. So if you're trying to please people, <laughs> God is the one who examines your motives. He doesn't look at what you're doing. He's looking at your motives. And so if your motives is about people, guess what? You've missed out on your blessing. So... Look, living your life to please people will cause you to miss God's purpose for your life. So I want to be do. I want to go here. I want to spend this. I want to be this so this person will like me. Listen, there are some people in your life and my life you could roll under the bus. You could roll and get run down by a bus, and still they will not like you.
So trying to live to please your enemies, you're wasting your time. You're missing out on God's purpose for your life. Secondly, also, another danger of being a people placer is that it's what? You won't grow in your faith. You won't grow in your faith. When you try to please everyone else, what it does is it stunts your growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Think with me for a minute. Think with me. Because if God is big in your life, people become small in your life. And that's, that, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. When God is big in your life, people, their choices, their actions, their opinions, their statements become small in your life. On the other hand, when people become big in your life, their words boom in your head and your heart. God becomes very small in your life. And what happens is that you won't grow in your faith in the Lord. Because it's all about what so-and-so said. What's, have you ever run to somebody who's always quoting somebody? This person said this. What about what God said? So-and-so said this. So your mom said this. Your friend said this. Your neighbor said this. Forget about what they said. You're not going to. What, what did God say about your life? What is God seeking to do in your life? You will grow in your faith when you are focused on God versus focused on others. People have their own opinions. And so when you are focused on the opinions of people, when the agenda and the goals of people, guess what? You will not grow in your faith in your relationship with Almighty God. Because you can serve two masters. God and people cannot be equal sized in your life. It can't. Because today somebody will like you, tomorrow they won't, even the people who will, even your kids, your spouse. They, I don't always like my kids. I love them, but I don't always like them. I love them. That's a commitment. Like is, you know, I. <laughs> I think I'll tell you that every now and then. I don't like her every single day, but I love her. So if it's all about, if it's all about your kids, it's all about your job, it's all about your boss, guess what? Some days that job is going to really irk you so bad. So you won't grow in your faith, in your relationship with God if the focus is all on people. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think, but trusting the Lord is what's safe. Here's a third, here's a third reason. There's a third reason. Being a people pleaser is what leads to sin. It will lead to you doing something wrong in life. Do you believe that? Because when I inevitably try to please people, I will end up with peer pressure. Peer pressure is, oh, they expect me to come. But what if where is that place is not right for me? Right? They expect me to do this. It's called peer pressure. Not what you want, but what people think you should be doing. And the crowd is not always right. Majority is not always right. We talk about peer pressure a lot, right? And sometimes we think peer pressure is only on kids. It's not only on kids. It's also on, on, on adults also. It's the same struggle that adults go through. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. By doing things that others want us to do. And when we have the desire to please people, we end up doing the things that we shouldn't do. 
Now, God talks about that. Look at this amazing portion of Scripture in the book of Exodus 23, verse 2. Exodus 23, 2. He says what? You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. Don't follow the crowd to do wrong. You say, oh, I thought following the crowd was always right. If everybody's doing it, I should be doing that. See, there are people today who are all about crowd. And you can go to a place where it's, 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 it's filled with people and it's Ichabod. The spirit has left it. It's all entertainment. Right? Even rappers can fill a stadium. Do you believe that? <laughs> so the crowd, he says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You say crowd is not always right. Yes, the Bible says crowd is not always right. Crowd is not always right. <laughs> and so people pleasing can lead you to do something wrong. Everybody is doing this. That's the way so these people are doing it. Forget about it. What does God say? It's dangerous to be concerned about what people think, but when you trust the Lord, you are safe. Let me give you a fourth one. You miss God's purpose for your life when you are focusing on what people think or say. You don't grow in your faith, it will lead you to sin. Here's another big one. You will lose your what? Spiritual influence. Say that with me. You will lose your spiritual influence. It will silence your ability to share the simple truth of Jesus, who he is and how he's changed your life. And like when God does something big for you, you're thinking, oh, let's do what the world does. Let's bring in a DJ, get a big band going, have a big party, have a bunch of alcohol going on. Why? Because you want to please people? Now you've lost your influence when it should be. This is what the Lord did for me. It's not this is what the Lord did for me. God is out of the picture then. We find a story of this in John 9 that perfectly illustrates this. You may know that Jesus rolls into the scene. He heals a man that has been blind all his life. John 9. And you would think in that moment, wow, the parents would be going and says, look at our child. He's been blind all his life and now God has healed him. Some religious leaders come by and knock on their door and says, what happened? Tell us what happened. What do you think about this man, Jesus, who healed you? What did he actually say? Did he really heal your boy? Was your boy really blind from birth? They were doing a little investigation. Instead of this person says, yes, he was blind from birth. We've tried everything and it doesn't help. And the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God has healed our boy and how happy we are for God showing up and showing us mercy to God be the glory because of fear they say well we don't know why don't you go ask him go ask the kid go ask the kid scripture said they did this because they were afraid of what these religious leaders will do and so what happened was that what? Their witness, their testimony was silence. 
<laughs> we actually find this also unfortunately <laughs> in the book of John John 7 3 look at this how fearing people being concerned about what people think will what will 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 stump will 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 cause you to lose your spiritual influence look at John 7:13 it says it says no one had the courage to speak favorably about Jesus in public why for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the leaders really really were they the one who helped you we didn't want who healed you. We didn't want who put food on your table. We didn't want to put roof over your dead. We didn't want who helped you. He says because of the opinions of people, because of what the, the what people will think about them or say about them, because they won't speak favorably about Jesus. And why is that? Because they love the human approval more than the approval of God. The Bible says, woe to you when people say, speak well of you. Let me tell you something. There is never a time that you are alive that everybody will say nice things about you. Never a time that everybody will say nice things about you. Let me repeat that. There is never a time that everybody will say nice things about you while you are on earth. There's only one time that they will say nice things about you is when you are dead at your funeral. Some people will come and lie. But, but you know what they say? They say we don't speak ill of the what? Dead. But until you die, not everybody will say nice things about you. And so trying to please people is a waste of time. It is a waste of time. You are missing out on God's purpose for your life because God wants you to go in this, that, that, this direction. Now you are focused on that other direction that people want you to go. You're not growing your faith in God because you're living to please people. And the people's agenda and God's agenda is not all the same. It will lead to sin because the crowd often leads you astray. And you're going to lose your spiritual influence. You're going to lose that. Now, don't hear me. Look at Jesus who came in. <laughs> Every person who's ever made it in life, there are a bunch of people who love them, and there's also a bunch of people who hate them. Right? <laughs> every president in every nation, look at president here in the United States. There are lovers of Biden, and there are what? Haters of Biden. Everybody. Lovers of Trump, and haters of Trump. The CEO of your company, there are those who love the CEO of that company, and there are those who are like, I, 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 who is he? Who, who is she? And so trying to please people never works. <laughs> there will be lovers, and there will be what? <laughs> Today people love me, and people hate me. Praise God! But I'm a lover of God. 
And it doesn't matter what they think. Just look at Jesus' position. And this is where we are to. You know, trying to please people will push you away. Push you away. And you fall off. Look at what. Here's what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus said this. Uh, very blunt. Very direct. Read that with me. Jesus is speaking. Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. Do you see that? <laughs> Can you try that sometimes? Can you tell yourself sometimes when it's getting into your head, oh, I've got to do this. I don't want to do this. I know it's not right, but I've got to do this. You got to tell yourself. Maybe don't tell them, but whisper to yourself, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. You know, Jesus, I'm doing the right thing. You guys want to think that I'm a devil. I'm Satan. What I'm doing is not of God. I, I'm helping people. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. You can connive all you want to. It doesn't matter. Now, here was what Jesus says. Look at this. <laughs> John 5.30. In, in this same chapter, John 5.30, Jesus says, he says what? I don't try to please myself, but I try to please the one who sent me. He says, number one, what you think, it doesn't matter to me. What even I think, it doesn't matter to me. Guess what? What matters is what, what God thinks. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about who? God. <laughs> right? <laughs> Now, you are in a good position. Some say, well, you're doing this for yourself. No, 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 I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for who? God. The choice that I've made is not about me. It's not about you. It's about who? God. And when you take this position where you're not living life to please others, not living life to please you, but living life to please you, you are in the right place. You will be strong. And why it's important is one day you stand before God, not to be judged, but you stand before God to give an account of what you've done in the flesh to receive rewards in heaven and you could lose your rewards glory to almighty God here's what Jesus says in Mark 8.30 Mark 8.38 he says if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful generation so the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels he says someday in eternity it's like oh you are all about pleasing other people eh this was a reward that was for you, but you've missed out because you lived your life to please people. You never stood up for God. You never stood up for God. So when you dismiss God, because you are so concerned about public opinion, the Bible says it's a dangerous trap. You miss God's purpose for your life. You don't grow in your faith. It leads to sin. You lose your spiritual influence. That's powerful stuff, isn't that? So how do we backslide? How do, how do our heart grow cold in our relationship with God? We've talked first is overconfidence. Second is laziness. Third is fear of disapproval. Let me give you a fourth one. The fourth is this. is what? Convenience. You do what's convenient. <laughs> See, we want to have faith, but we want to have a comfortable faith. It's got to fit our lifestyle. It's got to fit our schedule. We sure want to follow God, but we don't want God to change our lifestyle. We sang a song. I won't go back to the way it used to be. How many of you have been in this place with God and it's a good place? That you say, because I've tasted of the goodness, the mercy, the forgiveness, the grace, the protection, the provision, the purpose of God. I didn't think I would be here today. I didn't think I would come this far, but because it's been good to me, I'm not going back. 
I'm not going back to the way things were. But you see, convenience can make it want to go back. You can take this grace, this protection, this provision, this purpose of God, this presence of God. You can take it for granted where it will lose its flame. It will lose its power. Look at what Peter did, Mark 14, 54. It says, Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the gods and warmed himself at the fire. His master is being dragged, being beaten up, being spat on. The one who called him from his paltry little life of fishermen and now has made him the right hand of Jesus. The one who has promised him that on Peter, I'm going to give the keys to the kingdom of heaven to you. When I leave here, it's all on you. It's all on you. Look at him. It's like he says, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a little cold. Let me warm my hands. <laughs> Let me get a little comfortable. <laughs> Let me hang with these people right here. But Jesus is being roughed up. He's being kicked around. He's being spat on. He's being shouted at. I don't want to be found anywhere near him. I want to be a little comfortable. Convenience, convenience. Oh, yes. It can cause your relationship with God to get a little cold. What an amazing scene. Sometimes in life, we want to enjoy the world's campfire. Even though we are in the kingdom of God, we love to be in the kingdom of this world. Listen, I've, I've been in ministry for a while, over 30 years. And I've seen it all. I've watched a lot of people flame out and get si sidelined. People who had a big talk, but nothing to back it up. Supposedly strong Christians, and today they can't be found anywhere. People come and go. Because it's not convenient to them. Convenient to their schedule, convenient to their lifestyle, convenient to their environment. When a person really is active in church and they start falling away, one of the first things that they start falling away is they're given. They really are not excited giving to God's courses anymore. Seen hundreds of times. Giving is sort of that EKG of the Christian life. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Then as your giving goes away, then it's prayer. Then it's attending. Oh, I don't need to go here. I don't need to come anymore. And you can see that slippery slope follows. These are genuine Christians who have committed their life to Christ, but for one reason or the other, they've fallen away because it's not convenient anymore. So what are the common causes? One is overconfidence. Two is laziness. Three is the fear of disapproval of others. And it's what next is what? Convenience. Then we see this walkthrough. We see these points right in the life of Peter in our own lives. So if we are not careful. But oh, there's God's restoring grace. God's restoring grace. 
And yes, God's response, he wants you to rem remember that, that don't, don't keep going, don't keep going. Because it's so easy wherever you are to say, well, I've come this far, so I'm not going back. I've been doing this, so why change? Uh, human beings are such that when we slip, we just keep slipping. We stay where we are, and we don't want to turn around. God says, you got to turn back because this is not where you belong. Look at Romans 8.1. God is speaking. He says, when you sin, you haven't lost your, relation, your, 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 your salvation. When you sin, you're not going to hell. And here's how God responds. He says, what, Romans 8.1, he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. <laughs> there is no. <laughs> this is the strongest possible negative in the Greek language. It means no. It means never. It means not in a million years. And so wherever you are, come back. Whenever you slip, come back. Whenever you get to a place where you become overconfident or lazy or because you want to seek the approval of people or because of convenience, things have really gotten a little slow in your walk with God, come back, come back, come back. The doors are wide open. God is not here to condemn you. He has open arms to receive you back into his presence. You know this pr promise is not for everybody. It's for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, God says, yes, your place is still here. There is still seat at the table. Right here, come back, come back, come back. Be encouraged to come back. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Don't beat yourself down. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy that says, you've done all these wrongs, and so God is here to judge you. He's here to blame you. He's here to kick you down. No, his hand is outstretched to lift you from your fall so that you can stand back again. There is no condemnation. Come back home. Come back home. And what a wonderful promise it is that God wants to speak into you. Because the enemy will tell you, look at what you've done. Look at what you haven't done. Look at all the bad things that you've done. Look at all the good things you haven't done. And so how miserable you are. How wretched you are. How a fraud you are. How a failure you are. You ought to shake it off and say, There's no, my father is waiting for me. My father is waiting for me. The door is wide open. I'm coming back to him. I'm coming back to him. Glory to Almighty God. So you've got it. Now here's the important thing. It says that there is no condemnation, right? It didn't say there is no consequences, right? Pretty clear? <laughs> Pretty clear? It says there is now no condemnation. It didn't say there are no consequences. Because yes, there is no condemnation, but there are a lot of consequences. Because every time we ignore God's will, every time we don't follow his instruction, we lose. God doesn't lose. Who loses? We lose. You hurt yourself and hurt other people. You lose big time every time you walk away from God's instruction. And what do we lose? We lose fellowship with God. We lose our effectiveness here on earth. We lose our influence here on earth. How many of you know people who have done some things in their life that you will never... <laughs> you, <laughs> there are some things that you have to think twice about them anymore. You lose your peace, you lose your joy, you lose your blessing here on earth. You also lose your rewards in heaven, major damage. But you never lose your salvation. 
But God says, come back. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are and keep losing all these benefits here on earth. Come back, come back, come back, come back. Because God will never kick you out. God will never kick you out. And why doesn't God reject us and he wants us to come back? Because of his restoring grace. And the first point of God's restoring grace, let me give you one, and next week we'll, we'll pick up the rest. The first point of God's restoring grace is because God's love for you is what? Unconditional. His love, so he wants you to come back. No matter what has happened, you say, yes, I, I've fallen prey to all these things, and I can't come back. No, don't believe that. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Come back. Why do you need to come back? Lamentation 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never ceases. It is only the Lord's mercies that has kept us from complete destruction. Two nevers, never, never. Never, never. The faithful love of God never ends. The mercies of God never ceases. Mercy stronger than your mistakes. The love of God greater. Oh my Lord, to put you right back on track in line with his purpose for your life. So come back to God. His faithfulness. Come back to his mercy. God will never stop loving you. Oh, let me end on this note and we'll pray. Look at this. Oh, look at Jeremiah 15, 19. Amen. God is speaking. He says, if you return to me, I will what? Restore you so that you can continue to serve me. Return, restore, and continue. How many of you want to continue from where you've left off? How many? It says, it says return, I will restore so that you can continue. Amen. Three good words. Three good words. He said, I want this to continue the way God wants us to be. What do I need to do? God says, return, return, return. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. It doesn't matter where you are. Return, oh, return, oh. There's no condemnation. There's no shaming. There is full acceptance. Return to me. And God says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. Glory to Almighty God. And what does that restoration mean? I will pick up from where I left off. You walked away. I didn't walk away. There is still blessing. There is still grace. There is still mercy. There is still pardon. There is still blessing. I will continue. I will continue. Glory to Almighty God. Raise wherever you are. Raise wherever you are. God wants to continue. He wants to continue what he's begun in your life. Glory to God. When you return to him. Oh, mine, oh, mine, oh, mine, oh, mine, oh, mine. I want God to restore you. I want him to continue what he's begun. But you and I got to return to God. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you are the best thing that can ever happen to me. I'm sorry where I've fallen off today. I need you. I'm coming back strongly to your will. And your purpose. Thank you for your promise that when I return, you restore me and continue what you've planned for my life. So let it be so. Here's my life. Take it, use it to accomplish your good purposes and for my good.
I want to see your glory and your power manifest in my life. Let it be so. I thank you for your restoring grace. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, wherever you are, if you've not received Christ as your Savior, why don't you do that right now? Don't delay. Don't delay. You heard it. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You too can be a child of God who belongs to him and have no condemnation ever on your life. And the gift of restoring grace. Receive Jesus right now. What a good opportunity. Whenever we come together, Favor Life Church, it's a good opportunity for us to reestablish and recommit our life to God. Pray this simple prayer with me. Words don't mean nothing, but let your heart and your faith be connected with it. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for your blood that you shed to save me of my sins. Today, I commit my life to you. Come in my heart and save me and make me one of your children. Where you are is where I want to be. Help me to trust you, to love you, and to follow you. And on the day my time here on earth has ended, Jesus in heaven where you are, I want to be there with you. So come and take me to be in heaven with you forever. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.